This is the Business of Apps podcast, bringing you actionable insights from the leaders of the global app industry and the world's fastest growing apps. You can find more app news, data and analysis over at businessofapps.com. Welcome to the Business of Apps podcast. On this show, we invite app industry professionals to cover various topics. We promise to do our best to keep it both insightful but brief. In this episode, we have Alex Kudelka, co-founder and CRO at Glassfile. Alex, welcome to the BSFOS podcast. Thanks for having me. This is cool. Thank you for coming. Okay, let me set the stage first. Um, morning, you wake up, you go to the gym, hopefully, take a shower and sit at your desk to continue to push the envelope of your app business. You may be at the very beginning of your app project journey or not. Regardless, the notion of monetization is on your mind. Am I using the right tools? Am I missing something? Do I see the accurate picture of what's going on? These are the questions that pop up in your mind all the time. In this episode, Alex is here to share monetization tool stack best practices. But first, uh, Alex, let's talk about you and your background. Tell us about yourself, please. Yeah, sure. Um, so I've been in apps uh, roughly ever since the App Store was created. Um, back in university in 2010, I created my first mobile app uh, on iOS, and it was a social network that failed miserably. But uh, I learned learned a lot. There were no subscriptions back then. There were no in-app purchases back then, actually. Yeah. Um, there was just uh, pay for the app. Uh, there was that famous, uh, I think it was a $1,000 app, just so people would pay $1,000 to have it. Exactly. Uh, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So those were the Wild West days of the apps. Um, and ironically, my co-founder Marco at, at Glassfy was was building a similar app at the same time I was. Uh, he was building around me, which turned it out turned out to be a, a viral app of the time, uh, far exceeding Yelp and other tools to find uh, restaurants and uh, activities to do around you. Um, and so, yeah, ever since I, I started in apps in 2010, uh, that's what I stayed in. Uh, and most recently, I've been scaling uh, sales organizations and SaaS companies like Algolia and Bitrise. Um, and we started Glassify just a couple of years ago. Uh, and now we're based, we have a team spread across Europe between Italy uh, and uh, the UK and Germany, selling to builders, app builders all over the world who are trying to just make sense of how to make more money for us. Oh, this is great. 2010. Uh, let's see. <laughs> iPhone 3GS. Um, yeah. Two years before um, Instagram became, uh, actually took off. Um, yep. So things like TikTok, uh, not even the infancy, probably some somebody was uh, trying to conceive this idea back then, but it, it didn't left uh, his head uh, because exactly. it was too early, um, Facebook was rising, but again, he, he hasn't got the uh, Instagram back then. So 
it hasn't got that huge booster. Um, and yeah, the App Store, uh, it's been two years. So yeah, it wasn't like precisely 500 apps. This was the uh, first uh, couple of months, but still yeah. wild, wild west. Um, so a lot of stuff in that marketing was very, uh, should I say, uh, investigative. Um, nothing was proven yet. Uh, a lot of mistakes, a lot of things were true. A lot of uh, things uh, was in the people's mind to try and see if it works, if it sticks. Okay, uh, today, a Glassify, uh, what you guys do in the market? Tell me about your company, please. Yeah, so we, essentially what we did is we built something what, uh, that we call app revenue management in that space. And at its most core basic form, um, we are an SDK that handles the subscription infrastructure and um, in-app purchase infrastructure uh, within the stores across uh, iOS, Android, and web. Um, so we just make it easy for you to basically monetize your apps, give you the, the tools to monetize your app, as well as we have different point solutions that are connected to that um, for you to actually grow the monetization of your apps. So we have analytics, experimentation tools, uh, paywalls, um, subscription and coupon codes so that <clears throat> developers not only can offload the heavy lifting of monetizing the app, but we sat there and we said to ourselves, well, the biggest problem developers have and app organizations have is they don't know what to do next. It's, it's quite easy to build an app nowadays. Uh, and it's quite easy to even integrate payments. Um, but the moment you actually have to start growing your app, there's a lot of different ways you can do it, a lot of different strategies. Um, and we wanted to give the tools that connect to the backend, that whole platform experience for an app organization team so they don't have to go out and buy different tools or, or build them themselves. So you're saying that people may not realize that it's not going to be a sprint, but a marathon. And if they're not prepared to run that marathon, they're doomed at the business. So they need help from people who know for sure what it takes to run the business on not weeks, not months, but years to make it sustainable. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it's, you know, you can get those first few hundred users or thousand users, but you need a sustainable model, right? It's a foundation. Exactly. All right. Uh, let's define the major term we're going to be using today, which is monetization tool stack. Um, it's, you know, every, probably every business has its uh, um, set of acronyms, but in the app business, there are so many of them. It's like the inside mm -hmm. of baseball, the phrase that US folks like to use when you have no idea what people are just talking about because it's so full of jargon that has no relevancy from folks outside. So let's define what is monetization tool stack? Yeah. So, it is specifically the tools that directly influence uh, monetization. So we're not talking uh, anything like a, um, a finance tool. We're talking about the tools that actually influence the purchase behavior uh, of a user. And we actually spread that terminology across four categories. Um, and those different four categories are acquire and attribute. So that's one. Um, and monetize 
those users. So the actual app revenue management. Um, the third is understanding the customer. And the fourth is engaging and retaining users. So those are the four categories of tools that we would say belong to the tech stack. That's true. Now, let's imagine I'm an app brand and I'm thinking about building my monetization tool stack. So obviously, what are my options? I can Google it. I can ask ChatGPT, uh, or can, I can ask an expert, which in this case would be you, Alex. So where do I start? Yeah, absolutely. So if you're very early, right, let's, let's put it into perspective. If you are in that first stage of looking to monetize, the very first decision you need to make is I need a tool that's going to help actually build app revenue. So that app revenue management tool, um, you have two, you have two decisions, essentially you can build or you can buy, which is kind of a central theme across any discussion of tool stacks. Um, you can purchase a tool like a GlassFi or a Revenue Cat or an Adapti, where they're going to give you the engine, right? The back end to make it easy for you to implement payments within your app. Um, and then you just think about, okay, is this something I want to build or buy, right? And if you're a solo developer, an indie developer, or if you're just a, a new app organization within a larger company, it doesn't really matter. A, a central question you should be asking yourself is, is this a core competency of our team, right? Is somebody in our team an app revenue expert, right? Is somebody in our team a payments expert in iOS and Android? If not, chances are that's a decision that you should offload that to another tool. So that's that's square one. That's that's moment one where it's, we know we want to monetize. Let's get a tool that's going to make it very easy for us. That's going to be foundational. That's also going to help us add tools on top of it, right? That's going to harmoniously let us build our tool stack on top of it. So yeah, this is should be the mindset. Now uh, let's talk about the tools. So the toolbox for monetization. Mm -hmm. So let's uh, give people the specific wants and tell them the rationale behind why these specific wants. Yeah, absolutely. So let's let's continue on the thread of being a young, newly monetized app. Let's say you're somewhere around the. $10,000 a month mark, um, which is a large majority of the apps, right? Unfortunately, today, there's still kind of that concept of 1% of the apps make 99% of the yeah. revenue. But let's say you're, you're slugging away and you're building a, a truly great product um, and you've, you've started to monetize. So most probably, you have either built it yourself, you've either done payments yourself, built a backend and hosted a server to do receipt uh, receipt validation and all of those things related to payments. Um, chances are still, if you're at 10K or you're in that realm of maybe a hundred to $500,000 a year in app revenue, you most probably have very little visibility into how well your revenue is actually performing. You're, you're probably getting a report from Apple and Android once a week. Um, that data is very little to you, right? means very little. You probably don't understand your lifetime value of a user. You probably don't understand your ARPU. Um, you probably don't understand your net retention rate. All of the fundamental things that a subscription app or a monetized app should really start to learn at that stage. 
right? Because your biggest worry is over. Your biggest worry was, I want to see if I can make some money. That's great. You've checked that box. It's time to start making sense. So square one is probably time to have an app revenue management tool like a Glassfire, a Revenue Cat, or an Adapty. Um, second realm to be involved in is, is your acquisition and attribution piece. So obviously revenue only matters if you can acquire new users, right? If you can bring right. users into the business, right? Um, and that's where having the right ad platform, not only agency, but um, uh, ad attribution platform that's going to help you really understand what's working and not working. So that could be an app flyer, for example, um, where you're really understanding um, what's working and not working and attributing success correctly. Um, a second uh, area to be in is understanding your users. So that's your CRM space, right? Your foundation of, of having all of your data. That could be something as simple as a HubSpot. Um, that could be a Braze, right? If you, if you want to go the route of Braze where you're going to have a lot of different other tools that you can harness, um, like in-app messaging and things like that, which we'll talk about in a second. But you're going to need a CRM. You're going to need a place where you're gathering more and more information. You would be surprised, I'm constantly surprised at how many apps who are making 100, 200, 500,000 hours in revenue don't even have the email address of their subscriber. They're just not collecting it. They're not Man. collecting information. Mm -hmm. It is. It is. And that fourth spot is that engage and retain. So that is your in-app messaging, right? Your clever taps or again, your braves where you're engaging and trying to retain those users that you already have. Yeah, this is a good uh, um, trajectory for your administration strategy and what tools will be instrumental. Uh, figuratively, probably literally for your business to grow. Now, um, people do mistakes, as far as I remember, at least I do. Uh, Chat GPT does mistakes, oh boy, uh, how many of those. Uh, we all do mistakes. Mm -hmm. So when you look at your previous experiences, uh, what mistakes with building monetization tool stack come to your mind? Um, I would, I would, I still have to go back to the one that we mentioned earlier and I'll try to maybe prioritize them. But I think number one is always that, that early mistake of build versus buy. Um, there's, if you don't have some core principles written down about how you make tooling decisions internally, um, it's really, really going to harm your business in the future. And that could be because you're building too much and you're taking on too much tech debt so that at some point, two, three, five years down the line, your team is actually spending more time maintaining the stuff that you've built than shipping new functionality. And that's a prime time for a competitor to come and beat you out. Um, second thing is, if it's not your core competency, chances are you're not gonna build something as good as a tool that specifically is meant for that problem. Exactly. So I think I think that build versus buy is just, it's so far above and beyond any other mistake that you can do with a tool stack um, that it's really worth considering. I think the only other thing that is worth mentioning there is if you overbuy tools, right? In, in this day and age of SaaS, it's so easy to buy tools. Um, I mean, 
I've worked in companies where we've had 300 plus SaaS schools mm -hmm. and that's, and, and I guarantee you we're using a third of them. Right. So I think it's because it's so easy to procure and use, I think you just kind of have to have a sanity check on how much am I buying and spending on all these schools. I think it comes down to tactical versus strategical decisions. Unfortunately, in general, human beings are not that great in strategy thinking ahead, um, a few years uh, ahead of the present moment. And it really bites you later when probably it's too late because the time is gone. And the decisions you're just describing that have has to be have to be done at the very beginning to be profitable and efficient down the line. You cannot go back in time and just fix this stuff. These decisions, these strategic ones should be done uh, right in the very beginning. Yep. Uh, Alex, uh, looking back at your years of doing biz dev for multiple startups, what would you like to change about this business the most? About the, the app business or? Um, yeah, probably something that was like a kind of a roadblock for you for every startup, like some common thing that like was not in your power to move away, but that was a really, you know, um, showstopper, so to speak. I, I, I would say, I, I hope, number one, I hope the duopoly breaks up sooner rather than later. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I think we, we see that happening you know, day by day, country by country, because I believe there, there has been amazing benefits, but also deep, deep negatives for builders um, in that space. So I think finally freeing up the stores and freeing up builders to sell and create wherever, however they want is going to be refreshing. Um, and I think the other thing is I hope more and more people realize that they can build something. Um, it, it's often that first hurdle, which is, do I mm -hmm. think I can actually do this? Do I think I can actually build something that right. somebody else is going to buy? And you know, you're are you're an entrepreneur, I'm an entrepreneur. We were at that point at some point. We were saying to ourselves, is anybody gonna give a shit about what I'm about to do? Right, And that's that first hurdle that everybody just freezes at. And I think because of, because of tooling uh, and because of the space becoming more friendly, I think more and more, hopefully, builders come out and create. Yeah, I definitely hear what you're saying. It's probably the common thread for every entrepreneur. Like, it doesn't matter. It should not be necessarily some high-tech stuff. In every business, the, will somebody care about the service or product I'm going to be building for the you know foreseeable future? Am I just you know deceiving myself? Am I too selfish? Um, or uh, there's something you know there's a potential for me to make money and actually solve problems for other people's believing in yourself. It's hard. Yeah, okay. it is incredibly hard, and and imposter syndrome as well. Exactly. All right, uh, we're switching to the second part of the show where 
Uh, it doesn't matter what topic is on the table. I take a chance to ask a few quick questions to every guest who come on the show. So people who are listening to us, our listeners can know my guests better. Here we go. So uh, what smartphone do you have now? Um, are you on Android, iOS side? Are you switching back and forth or staying one side all the time? iOS all the time, forever, iPhone, since uh, the third model. Got you. Um, let's jump back before that moment. What was your first mobile phone, the, the one that you could just put in your pocket? Um, it was, oh gosh, which model number was it? The one that everyone had in the US um, was a Nokia. Yeah, obviously, um, back then. Of course, and it was the brick that just had Snake, right? You could just play Snake on it. Um, but that was my first phone. I'm trying to remember the model number of it. I, I guess, like, regardless of the number, I think it should be remembered yeah. in history as the Snake Nokia. <laughs> exactly. Oh. The Snake Nokia. The, I think it was the 3310. Was yeah, the... <laughs> probably that's that that was the case. All right, uh, back to present. So you're living home, um, I don't know, going for groceries, whatever, and you forgot your phone at home. When you're out, what would be the most missing feature for you? When I'm out, like like out and about what's the most important feature or what do you mean just like you're you're out like for whatever business you're going to work to gym anything and uh, whatever you're doing your phone the steward your home uh, what is the yeah. most missing feature for you <laughs> i would say the camera right i mean i just it's like it's almost a default for me Got you. Okay. Um, when you're looking at your uh, iPhone right now, do you have any um, like occasional uh, thoughts? Wouldn't be great if this phone can do here this or that. Uh, hardware, software, not necessarily something trendy, uh, but just to make it more useful tool for you. Mm. I'm I'm going to take this question in the complete opposite direction. Um, I want to never touch this phone. <laughs> um, I, I had a very sobering moment a few months ago when I got that dreaded Sunday report of my usage on my phone. My average daily usage was skyrocketing well above five hours, Boy. which is, you know, the industry standard. Uh -huh. And I just made a mission to proactively stop using my phone. And so I think whatever what whatever efficiency Apple and, and app builders can create around either making information more digestible and bite-sized to where you're not sitting there just endlessly zoning in, the better. Uh, so whatever gets me to never touch that phone again uh, will make me the happiest man alive. I hear you. I think that's the problem with the mobile technology on its own. Become it, because it becomes so more sophisticated every year, it becomes so ubiquitous in our lives. 
and this scale was tipped so heavily towards usage and the psychology of using your phone plays more and more a uh, bigger role these days and yes. it's it's almost like if you should um factor in psychology uh, the development of the both hardware and software as heavily as any other uh, discipline that you need to create an app or a new smartphone because we're like what is it 6.4 billion smartphones in the world if i remember the number correctly and it's just um i don't know like if you if you can and uh, name the same the same scale of anything that we use so heavily um it's just uh, mind boggling yeah so i definitely exactly. hear you yeah the the moderation that's the key all right, before I let you go, very, very final question. How can people get touching with you and know more information about what you do? Um, connect with me. Connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, Alex, K-U-D-E-L-K-A, GlassFi. Um, email is alex at glassfi.io. Um, I'm always around to help app builders and would love to connect with anyone. Awesome. Alex, thank you so much for coming and spending time with us. Thank you, Alex. Bye-bye. And that was Alex Kudelka, co-founder and CRO at Glassfy. To listen to more episodes, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts. Just search for Business of Apps and you will find us easily. Remember, we release episodes on Mondays. So subscribe and you will be able to get new episodes on your smartphone, tablet, or computer as soon as we release them. And please don't forget to leave a review or comment on iTunes. It is highly appreciated. And all episodes will also be available on businessofapps.com. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Thank you for listening to the Business of Apps podcast. For more, head on over to businessofapps.com.